0: Welcome to the 169th installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's podcast on family farming, sustainable agriculture, local food systems, and local democracy. I'm Brian DeVore, editor of the Land Stewardship Letter. When Devin and Ross Ballinger were looking to get their feet wet raising vegetables on a commercial scale, they didn't need 100 acres of land. They didn't even need 10 or 5 acres. What they needed was less than an acre or so of good ground near a farmer's market so they could, as Devin puts it, make mistakes on a small scale. A few years ago, while living in an apartment in Minnesota's Twin Cities, they became friends with Monica Walsh. Monica was struck by the Ballinger's passion for food and gardening and introduced them to her parents, Jerome and Julie Walsh. It turns out the Walsh's 150-acre organic farm in southeastern Minnesota had just what the young couple needed, a half-acre odd corner of fertile land that was difficult to till with bigger field equipment. Even better, there was an extra trailer home on the land, as well as an old milk barn that could be used as a vegetable packing shed. Jerome and Julie felt that providing the ballengers a helping hand was the least they could do. When they were looking to buy a farm in 1980, they had a difficult time finding something that was a good fit for their needs while being affordable. They ended up buying their operation from a couple that wanted to see their farm become a home and source of income for a family, rather than just one more plowed field and a bigger cropping enterprise. Over the years, Jerome and Julie built up a 50-cow organic dairy herd and raised four daughters on the farm, which lies just north of the city of Rochester. These days, Jerome and Julie raise grass-fed beef as well as organic field crops. 2015 marks the third growing season. The Ballingers have raised vegetables for local farmers' markets and restaurants while living on the Walsh farm. They pay rent and utilities and have use of the dairy barn as well as some basic tools such as a utility vehicle. This low-risk entry into farming has given the young couple, they're both 30, the confidence to begin striking out on their own. Ross is a videographer, and Devin works for Renewing the Countryside, but their long-term goal is to make farming a career. This past winter, they enrolled in the Land Stewardship Project's Farm Beginnings course, which provided them a solid foundation in everything from business planning to marketing. Now Devin and Ross have begun the search for a farm they can purchase so they can develop a permanent home for their budding agricultural enterprise. I recently visited the Walsh Farm and chatted with Devin and Jerome about their somewhat unique arrangement. Devin talked about how important it is to have a low-risk entry into agriculture, and Jerome described why he thinks there are a lot of farms in the region that have an odd corner or two that would provide the perfect launching pad for a beginner. Jerome, who is 62, feels providing such a helping hand is one way to ensure the future viability of his community. Jerome, I wanted to ask you about this whole idea of, you had talked earlier about, you kind of feel like maybe you have, a you said 150 acres here, and this was always an odd corner. Maybe it was kind of hard to to farm and get equipment in here, but it's really fertile soil, and you kind of feel like, you know, maybe every farmer might have a little odd corner that, I mean, when you have an acre of vegetables, that's a pretty good production right
1: there. We actually did have this on a, on a kind of an odd shaped piece. We were introduced to Devin and Ross by our daughter Monica. They all lived together in the Twin Cities and Devin and Ross were very interested in gardening and I thought what a what a great place for them. Plus another thing we had here in the farm we did have another home. And they needed a home to live in, and uh, they come down three. This is going on the third year now, third season that they've gardened, and uh, it has worked out great. I mean, uh, it's a nice chunk of ground. It really hasn't changed anything in what I'm doing on the rest of the farm, and it's gave Devin and Ross just a great opportunity to get their hands in the dirt and try the things they've learned now from farm beginnings and all the infrastructure of people around here willing to help about so it's been a great situation.
0: Devin, how important has it been for you uh, to get like you said it it sounds like it's been able to a way for you at low risk to get your hands dirty and make some mistakes.
2: No, it has been good. We only we are the ultimate beginning farmers. So all we needed was just a chance to plant things, learn from it, make mistakes. And this being our third year, I feel like we're really ready to invest in ourselves and invest in this farm enterprise. And just this chance to have to have access to this small piece of land um, with not a lot of capital investment has been crucial. So now we can make those bigger purchases with, with some groundwork behind us. Yeah, just the opportunity to make Give it a go and make mistakes has been crucial, and he's been super open to allowing us those chances.
0: You had gardened for two years, two full seasons it sounds like, before you took Farm Beginnings. A lot of people maybe take Farm Beginnings before they even get in on something like this, but why did you kind of go for a few seasons and then decide you needed to take a class.
2: Neither us or I have like a huge um, farming background. So we were kind of at a crossroads of, is this going to be more homesteading or is this going to be more of a business? And we had some people, both um, Karen Stetler at your office and Marge Worthison, who kind of coaxed us into that this might be a helpful situation. And it really, it helped us in the business side of things and financially figuring out what our goals are and, put us on a good path that way
0: so Jerome has this um, been is it been kind of fun to see I guess you had dairy farmed and now you have um, grass-fed beef and and you raise some other stuff on the farm here some crops but has it been fun to kind of see a completely different enterprise setup you said you're you're not really a gardener yourself and I don't know is that kind of fun to just to see and you don't, and then you don't have to go to the farmer, get up early, and go to the farmers' markets. That must be nice too. But you can see that this this land being used for yet one more enterprise.
1: Yeah, it's it's been a great situation, and you know, we were actually uh, we had people kind of bend out of their normal situation. The people we bought to farm from gave us an opportunity because they wanted to see it continue on as a, you know, as a dairy farm, which they had worked all their lives to build. So to see Devin and Ross here now and, and letting them use this chunk of ground, it's been really good. Plus we get all the vegetables we want whenever we want them. But uh, it's just an opportunity for people that didn't have the land or didn't, you know, have Uh, home to where they could stay and garden all in the same place. And we actually have some little equipment on the farm that they can use because it's equipment we've had over the years, whether we used it for uh, in the dairy operation, whatever. We're actually using the old dairy barn now. They got a walk-in cooler. They're using the milk house to wash vegetables. So I mean, what I see out of the whole thing is I think there's more than just this place where a couple or a single person could actually come in and give it a try at this uh, gardening and raising healthy food, which is great for the community, and it's great for people that are looking for healthy food to buy, and and it's cost-effective for people to get good, healthy food without having to go to the supermarket. So there's just a lot of different ways of looking at it. And, I mean, I, I hope that there's situations for more people to get on the land and do what they're doing here. So,
0: Well, and you had mentioned before that it's just a real shame to see a farmstead uh, go up for sale and because the timing isn't right or there isn't uh, the finances in order for the beginning farmer it just gets, the the buildings get bulldozed, and it becomes one, another big corn and bean field. That's a whole different, it's just one more piece of land rather than an actual farm.
1: Yeah, I mean, over the years, what we've seen here, even in southeast Minnesota, is we're losing farm sites that are three and four generations in of people that have put a lot of blood and sweat into building homes, barns, you know, sheds, and it would be great for uh, these building sites not to be bulldozed and figure out a way to give you know a young couple uh, access to either rent them with an option to buy without destroying these because there's a well there, there's electricity coming onto these farms and that all costed somebody a lot of money, whether, and I think even government funds were put into helping people get some of this stuff established on these farms. And once they're gone, they're gone. And that's just another track of land then that there's no tax revenue and, and things like that, that that's being collected. That makes a community strong. And it, it makes it hard to keep the the township road infrastructure up and all the different things that that all is tied into. So, if we want to have our grassroots, you know, system work, we got to keep enough people on the land. So, if there's a way that any of us can help out to keep these these building sites alive and active, it, it, I think it'd be great for the whole situation.
0: Last question for you, Devin. So. You guys are kind of looking at the future and have been looking for farms but it's been a bit of a challenge to find kind of what you what you're looking for. What would have been some of the challenges there?
2: One challenge is that we we want to stay in this area of Southeast Minnesota and where there are more farms in other areas of Minnesota or Wisconsin. We've kind of committed to this I think this being our main community because of the growth of Rochester and just of Southeast Minnesota. And there's just not a lot of 20-acre parcels that come up for sale. And if they do, they're really expensive, (laughs) really, really expensive. So we're in the process of figuring out what is the best way to um, access that. So we're most likely going to be going through an FSA loan. We aren't really approved for a a regular home mortgage, so FSA or a contract for deed is probably our most ideal situation, which it's great that the FSA has that program, but yeah, there's just not a lot of 20-acre parcels (laughs) that come up for sale, so that's what makes it really difficult, but we just keep putting the word out there and assume that it'll pop up eventually.
0: Well, and I wonder if, since you're not just coming fresh to the community, you've lived here now for three years And you're meeting people through Jerome, and sounds like through some other people, like Marge Worthison is a mentor for you, who's a local vegetable producer here. Maybe you're getting some feelers out there that you may hear about some opportunities that you wouldn't otherwise.
2: Yes, I think we have people in our court that want to help us be in this community and um, to achieve our, our goals. So they're constantly looking out for us, and people will tell us they heard of something, you know, and we'll we'll check it out, and sometimes it kind of fits, sometimes it doesn't, but, you know, it's all going towards the same same path and goal.
0: You had said you'd taken farm beginnings because you kind of wanted to decide whether this is going to just be homesteading or an actual business. How do you feel now? Do you think it's going to be a viable business?
2: I do. I I think this third year has, so far, I mean, we're only Partially into summer, but it's kind of realigned some thoughts in my head and our heads about what we what we really need to move forward. I've been looking at more cash flow cost effectiveness more intensely than I did the first two years. So I think by year four, this even the look of the what we'll be doing is going to be significantly different because we want to make it a business because we see it being really essential for our communities around here to provide that kind of good good local food. Mm-hmm.
0: For more information on LSP's Farm Beginnings program, see www.farmbeginnings.org. If you have comments or suggestions about this podcast, contact Brian DeVore at bdevore@landstewardshipproject.org, at landstewardshipproject.org or you can call 612-722-6377. Thanks to Laura Borgendale, Western Minnesota musician, for Ear to the Ground's theme music. And a special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you're not a member... Visit landstewardshipproject.org to learn how you can support LSP. Thanks for listening.